What a, what a great God we get to serve, huh? Like, I'm serious. Like, what a great God we get to meet with this morning. I just, you know, sometimes you're just like Sunday morning is just another Sunday morning, but man, we get to meet with God together. Uh, what a privilege. What a privilege. So anyway, hey, welcome, guys. Uh, it's been a while for me. For those of you who are new, my name is John, um, husband to my wife, Leah, over here, uh, father to my 18-month son, Isaiah, and another one on the way to September. We don't know what we're doing, but here we go. Here we go. Uh, and also one of the pastors for the Light Church. Uh, I've been at D.C. for the past few months now, but... Since um, our little staff is on a vacation right now in L.A. doing the thing. No, they're, they're serving the Lord all over there. We're praying for them as the Lord would open and, you know, create a new motivation, inspiration that they can bring back towards us and how we can, we can live towards God this season. But I just want to say, first of all, I want to thank you uh, for those of you guys who have been praying for me and my family and for D.C. this past few months. I also want to say thank you for all the ways that you've helped and prayed for us. And, you know, when people ask me about how D.C. is doing, I just say, you know, the Lord's up to something. That's all I can say. The Lord's up to something because here's the reality for us right now. We're meeting in a hotel. You know, we're in a temporary space. We're meeting in a hotel. Not a lot of tech, not a lot of things. You know, as, as, as you guys, as we're worshiping, I'm like, wow, this is really nice. You have all these lights again, to have all these techs, and all of a sudden, boom. No, we, we lost lights. We lost everything. It was just a reminder for me. Okay, God, John, don't get used to this. Don't get used to this. Just go back. It's a go back. But in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, I do thank you because we're in a hotel. We're, we, we're praying and looking forward to where our location would be. And a lot of that, all I can say is God's up to something. In some ways, uh, he's still opening doors on how we can have access to the community. He's still using us to plant seeds. Now, one time, one Sunday, we... Uh, we didn't have any rooms for the hotel. They just ran out. Some person just ran out of the whole thing. We just didn't have a place to meet. So we were like, with the help of actually Sandy over there, to he, she reserved a spot for us at the Georgetown Waterfront Park. So we did an outdoor service during the summer where people got to hear the word, plant seeds were planted. And hey, we was, all we're thinking about here is gospel saturation. Gospel saturation. Uh, with your help as well, we were able to do a block party where we got to uh, meet with about 80, meet, pray, and plant seeds, about 80 of the community in that city. And now during this month, we have a few of our members do, uh, who just came back to do refu refugee work in Poland. If you had a few of our members um, uh, uh, doing backyard VBS for the same community that we did a block party with the help of our summer interns, all I can say is the Lord is up to something. Lord is up to something, and we are here to witness it, and uh, really, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for your prayers, support, and we do still want to ask a lot more prayers, a lot more prayers, and he is up to something, and we are here to see it. All right, well, let's get to the word, huh? Hey, open your Bibles to Psalm 13. I haven't done that in a while. That was nice, huh? Psalm 13. All right, Psalm 13. Uh, the, the, the title of today's sermon is called A Cure, The Cure for Complaints, okay? The Cure for Complaint. If you have a complaint in your heart right now, how about you raise your hand? Just 
nagging complaint. You're not complaining, but it's right there. It's right there inside, all right? Just acknowledge that. Uh, science says that the human brain have at least 6,000 thoughts per day. 6,000 thoughts. I firmly believe I have half of that. Uh, that's another title. But we have at least 6,000 thoughts. So say, say I'm doing the math right now. Say I've done the math. I'm not doing the math. I've done the math. Say we have at least 100 of us right here gathering. On a seven-day period, you and I have about a collection of 4,200,000 thoughts coming in today, this Sunday. All week long, coming in, 4,200,000 thoughts. Could be thoughts of joy, thoughts of temptations, thoughts of hardships and praise, thoughts of faith and failure, you know, thoughts of sadness and gladness, thoughts of enthusiasm and irritability for your kids, you know, thoughts of excitement and depression. You know, thoughts of all these things, and most of these, if we're being honest, affect our emotions. The thoughts are affect emotions, and then also our emotions affect our thoughts, and this is happening 6,000 times a day. And especially when you're in a season of suffering, or especially when you're in a season of going something really tough right now, or you know someone who's going through something awful, or you have been going through it, or you've been through it, you know, in reality, these type of things give you every reason and every temptation to complain. That's just the reality for you and me. Life is pressing you down, and you have every reason, every temptation to complain. But now here's the tension for all of us, because... If we think about what God has to say about complaining, we now think about, say, Philippians 4, right? To rejoice always, okay? We think about James 1, to count everything as joy, all right? Rejoice, rejoice. You got to rejoice all the time. That's what the Bible seems like it's saying. But a problem for all of us is what if, what if you and I don't feel like rejoicing? What if, what if you come here on a Sunday morning worshiping the Lord? What if, you just, what if you just don't feel like it? What do you do? Are you sinning right now because you're not rejoicing all the time? You know, is there a room for my, is there a room for your complaints? And here lies a tension for us all this morning. How do you rejoice when life gets hard? You know, how can you praise God through a storm? How can you find a cure for your complaints? That is the tension. Because if we're being honest, some of our common ways we've approached a cure for our complaints is this. Some of us cure our complaints by creature comforts, okay? You know, we use money, sex, alcohol, Netflix, Netflix binge, and food to numbers of our pain. We just use all these. We use non sinful things and use that to numbers of what's going on inside of us, okay? Some of us cure our complaints by creature comforts. You know, some of us cure our complaints by downplaying things, downplaying things. My wife thinks I have a spiritual gift of downplaying things. 
positive. We're on a date night, and she asked me, John, how are you doing? And if I say these two words, I'm screwed. I'm good. I'm good. I'm screwed. I'm like, babe, just let me enjoy my steak here, please. You know? Every day. You know? Let's face it. Us men have a spiritual, natural gifting to downplay things. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. And what's even worse, I can be like this towards God. If God wants to listen to me, and all I'll say to God is, I'm good. Well, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> uh, some of us, here's another one. Some of us drown out our complaints with songs of praise. You see that? Some of us drown out our complaints, anything raging inside of us, with songs of praise. You know, you say, yo, this is awful, but I'm, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it, right? The Lord is good, and I'm going to will myself into believing that the Lord is good. I'm going to drown out my sorrows with songs of praise. So you keep moving forward, keep going without ever processing your pain with God. Some of us drown out our complaints with songs of praise. This is me again. And last but not least, some of us, for being honest, stay in our complaints. We just stay there. You just can't seem to find a way out. Life is awful. Things are just not great. And we just stay there. We stay at our complaints and we just can't help. We can't seem to find a way out. We can't seem to find a cure. And if you can relate to any one of this, I want to show you today, God wants to show you today a cure for all these things. And the cure can be found through a prayer. A prayer. Because in its nature, in its nature today, Psalm 13 is actually a prayer of lament. You guys know what lament is, right? To lament means to express your deepest sorrows and deepest grief. And if it's a prayer of lament, it's a prayer to express your deepest sorrows and grief to God. In essence, it's a prayer of complaint. But before we get into the text, you know, this might be new for some of you guys. This was certainly new for me once I looked into this more. I want to give you, first of all, three reasons why you and I should learn this type of prayer. Why you and I should lament. Okay? Number one, lament is one of the major themes of the Bible. It's one of the major themes of the Bible. First of all, we have a book called Lamentations. We have a book who's lamenting all day by the name of Job. We have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jesus, all throughout the Bible lamenting. And more importantly, get this. This is something I just recently discovered. Over 60, over, listen to me, over 60, over, the, over 60 of the 150 Psalms are actually prayers of lament. Not crazy? Over 60, that's more than one-third. Over 60 of all the Psalms, 150 of them are actually prayers of lament. I can guarantee you right now that some of your favorite Psalms are actually prayers of lament. Some of your favorite verses in the Psalms are actually prayers of lament. Not crazy? That's number one. Lament is one of the major themes of the Bible. Second, 
and this is probably one of the most important things, is lament is a process of praise. It's not, it's a process of praise. Here's a quote that was really awesome. Listen to this. It says, lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. It is not only how Christians grieve, it's the way Christians praise God through their sorrows. Lament is a pathway to praise when life gets hard. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God has provided a type of prayer for you and I to praise a God through a storm? This is the cure for your complaints. Lament takes your sadness to gladness. Lament takes your crying to singing. Lament takes your pain to praise. Lament is ultimately a process of praise. And God is inviting you and I to go through that process. Lament won't solve your problems. It won't solve your complaints. That's not what I'm saying here. It won't provide a solution for you to fix an issue. It's not promising to take your pain away. But it does promise a pathway for your soul, for your soul to hold on to God. Lament is a process of praise. Last but not least, number three, lament prepares you when hard times come, all right? If your season's great right now, that is amazing. But here's the thing. It's not about when we're going to suffer. It's, about, it's not about if we're going to suffer. It's about when. And as I was praying, and I was thinking about specific people, many of you who are going through a lot of things, and many of you who I don't know are going through things, I just can't, I just felt burdened. I just felt burdened for you and I to say God has a way for us. God is providing a process for you to praise him even in the storm. He wants to provide a cure for your complaints, and it's through lamenting. One pastor says to be, to cry is to be human, but to lament is to be Christian. So guys, let's lament and learn this together. So let's read Psalm 13, and let's pray first before we do this. God, we want to open your word, and we just want to hear you speak, Lord. Touch our hearts. Touch our hearts. May your hand be on your people today. Enlighten our eyes. Be with your people, God. Open, Lord, our hearts that we may see wondrous things out of your law. Let's be praying in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here's Psalm 13. David says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me. I want you I want to stop there and says he used the word how long four times four times. How long, God? How long? And I can't seem to think that maybe some of you are going through that right now. How long, God? How long am I going to go through this season? How my, how long am I going to go through this specific thing? How long? And I just want to say God right now is affirming you. He's meaning you in this moment in your questions of how long. So we jump to verse 3. Consider me, consider and answer me, O Lord, O my God. 
Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. And look at verse 5. But, but, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. What a wonderful passage. What a wonderful passage. I hope you see right now what's going on here. David went from saying how long to now verse 6, he's saying, I will sing. He went from how long, and five verses later, five verses later he said, I will sing. And if we're going to see what's going on here, nothing changed, right? Circumstances have not changed for David, but we see he went from how long to I will sing simply because he went through a process of praise found in a prayer of lament. So I would just simply want to walk you through a three-step process, a three-step process from this text on how, on how you and I can lament. Just three simple things so you can find a cure for your complaints what you have right now or in the future. Take this, use it, and may God bless you in it. All right? Number one. Here's number one. You guys ready for this? Step one, complain biblically. Yeah, I said that. All right. Complain biblically. All right? Verse one through two. How long, how long, how long? He asked God how long four times. This psalm doesn't indicate what happened to David. People actually don't know what happened to David, but we can think about what's going on with David's life. He went through a lot. So we can say it's clear from this passage that David is going through something. He's going through a storm, right? And this brings us to the first meaning of what it means to complain biblically. First one. This is the first meaning. It's to bring your pain, not your pride. Okay? It's to bring your pain, not your pride. You guys know what ancestry DNA is? Ancestry DNA? Has anyone ever done that? Who's done that? Okay, okay. It's a good thing, right? It's also a fun thing for most people. Because if y'all don't know what it is, it's basically saying you, take, you pay to get your DNA tested and you can see who you're connected with. And the fun part for most of us is you might be connected to someone famous, right? You could be Abraham Lincoln's fifth cousin or something like that, right? You can... You can be apparently LeBron James' lost long brother or something like that, right? You know, we love, we love it if we're even remotely connected to someone famous. We just love it, right? My friend of a friend of a friend of mine knows Oprah. We just love that stuff, and we just hang on to this because we love to be remotely connected to someone or something that's a big deal. But I want you to say David feels the same way because what David's saying, I am God's anointed king, right? I'm God's anointed king. I'm talking to God. I hear from God, especially in the Old Testament. I'm one of the few people that hears from God. He has chose me to lead people. So when a storm arrived to David, he could have asked God saying, God, how could you? Rather than saying how long. He could have asked God, God, how could you? You chose me. 
I thought your hand was on me. I thought you were gonna, always going to be with me. I thought things were going to work out. God, how could you? But he didn't say that. He asked, how long? And I don't know if any of us are going through that. Asking God, how could you? But God wants to switch that and say, you can just ask, how long? Do you bring your paid pain or your pride? And here's the thing. For those of you who are bringing your pain to God, may he affirm you in this. He is present, present, present to hear your pain. Here's the second way to complain biblically. Bring your despair, not your doubts. Okay? Bring your despair, not your doubts. I want you to see again the essence of the meaning of why how long is so important. You know, David asked God about the when of something, not the if. Okay? He asked about the when, not the if of things. He didn't ask God to say, God, will you ever come? Will you ever deliver me from this? Will you ever work it out? No, he just asking God how long. He was looking forward to who God is and what he has said and is hoping to say now how long. David knows that God is with him. He knows that. But it feels like God had forgotten him from this passage. David knows that God is always present, but it feels like God, as you say in verse 1, is hiding from him. What David is actually saying to God is this, God, I know you're always with me, but it just doesn't feel like it right now. Do you see what David's doing? He's not doubting. No, he's despairing. He's just saying, God, I know you're present. I know your hand is on me, but it just doesn't feel like it right now. And I want you to see God is so gracious that he's providing a way for you to express this. Isn't it not nice? You know, God's not just saying some schoolmaster teacher, I don't want to hear your complaints, I don't want to hear that, do what I tell you to do, no matter how hard it is. Now God's not saying, no, suck it up. No, no, no. He wants to hear you, and he's allowing David to say, God, I know you are present, but it just doesn't feel like it right now. He's bringing his despair, not his doubt. So he cries, how long? This one commentary is awesome. It says, how long? To say how long is a submission to his sovereignty or control. To say how long is to stretch our view as far as possible into the future that our present grief may not entirely deprive us of hope. See that? This is what David is doing all the time. Lamenting is not hopeless complaining. It's not about venting your sinful anger towards God. It's simply telling him about your struggles. I'm going to keep adding quotes here because people can say way better than I do. It says, instead of stuffing our struggles, this guy says, lament gives us permission to verbalize the tension. God is giving you permission to verbalize the tension. The tension meaning, God, I know you are good, but it just does not feel like it right now. He's providing that opportunity. And here is the beauty for us all. In Christ Jesus, God is not surprised by your 
Meaning, you can, you can address him as a loving father. I, my son Isaiah is about 18 months now, and I don't know how he did, by the grace of God, he's 18 months and growing up, that's crazy, but he's in a, he's in a unique stage that people kind of mentioned it, but I was like, nah, it'll be okay. He's in a unique stage where people have warned us for about it, but I'm like, it's going to be all right. And it's this unique stage of a tantrum, you know? It's a tantrum stage. I'm learning, we're learning, but here's what's going on with my son. Like, he's great, he's great, but not every morning, you know? Not every morning when he woke up on the wrong side of bed and all he wants to do is cry, you know? He's crying. I mean, seriously, just a couple, nights, couple, weeks, couple days ago, I put him... I. I just, he was just crying, so I was just asking, do you want juice? Do you want this? And he's like, okay, okay, okay. So I gave him a juice and some pretzels, right? And he's eating. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. It's quiet. Six o'clock in the morning. It's, it's peaceful right now. Okay. So I'm going to cook his two eggs that he typically does, every, eats every morning. And I was, I was just praising God right now. I couldn't really read the Bible, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to praise you right now. This is awesome. So I went back to my son, feeling so thankful. So I just gave him a kiss on my forehead. And all of a sudden, he cried. Like, wow. Just cried. Like, bro, what's going on here? Just gave you a kiss. So I came back to cook my eggs. And then gave him his eggs. And all of a sudden, he cried again. Like, bro, what is going on here, man? So I, I, all right, I just let him be and go from there. And don't get me wrong, it's hard to love a kid when he's going through something like that. But here's the difference, though. When Isaiah, my son, gets hurt and he comes running to me, what do I do? Come here. Come here. I'm not only just going to say come here. No, I want to run after you and make sure you're okay. And this is what it means to bring your pain and not your pride. God is a loving father and he's saying to you, oh, come here. Alyssa, I want to take all that. This is what it means to say you can bring your pain and your despair to a loving father. That's what it means to complain biblically. So that's step number one. Step number two, now I want you to notice right now as we go through this. Again, go, David's going through a process, right? It's a process. The more he's doing it, the more he's praying to God, the more he's bringing his pain, you'll see right now that his faith is slowly increasing as he's going through. Every verse is now an increase of faith every single time. Okay? So ask boldly. You see this right in 3 to 4, right? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Godly lamenters keep asking even when the answer is delayed. Lamenters keep asking even when the answer is delayed. Sense David's boldness here. Despite feeling that God is disengaged, David asked God, consider and hear me. Okay? Despite feeling that God is disengaged, he asked God, consider and hear me. Despite feeling that God is distant, David says, oh, Lord, my God. And that's the switch. I want you to see, that was the switch. Because here's the thing. Go back to verse 1. And how did he address God? 
How long? What did he say? Oh, Lord. Just Lord. Or say, how long, boss? How long, oh, Lord? But now you see in verse 3 and 4, he says, oh, Lord, my God. Do you see that? Do you see that? He went from acknowledging God to Lord, now saying, oh, Lord, my God, you are mine. Again, he's going through a process, and every breath of his prayer is slowly increasing his faith. Despite feeling that God has left him in the dark, David asked, light up my eyes. Light up my eyes. What does that even mean? Again, I have a quote for you. It says, let the eyes of my faith be clear. That's what David was asking. That I may see my God in the dark. Let my eye of watchfulness be wide open, lest I be entrapped. Let the eye of my understanding be illuminated or lightened up to see the right way. David was asking God to help him see the right way under the storm. No, he wasn't asking for a change of circumstance. He was asking for a change of perspective. I light up my eyes. When was the last time you asked God to say, God, light up my eyes? I was in a coffee shop one day, and it was like around 5 o'clock. I was tired, brain dead. It was my red line. I was, don't even talk to me. This can't work anymore. So coming out of the coffee shop, I had my cup of coffee that's all empty with my keys on the left hand. And saw the trash. And I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear. I was looking at my cup of coffee and my keys, and all of a sudden, without even thinking, I just threw both of them away in the trash. <laughs> I mean, I swear. I mean, at the end of the day, I was looking at my cup of coffee, my keys, and I was looking at the trash. <laughs> two points. You know, <laughs> two points. And this is what I mean by lighting up our eyes. If God doesn't light up our eyes in the storm, we can throw away the things that are most important to us. God does not light up our eyes in the storm. We can throw the most important things to us. We can throw away God himself. So David's asking, yo, light up my eyes, God. Because here's the reality. Verse 4, he's saying he's asking God to light up his eyes so the enemy would not rejoice over it. Because the reality for, for all of us, the devil, the enemy, wants you and I to regret following God, especially when the storm comes especially when the storm comes. He wants you to regret every single thing. Oh, I made this decision five years ago, but it's hard. I guess I can take a break. Screw that. I'll be back out when, when it's easier. So you go back. So you go back. Something happens again. All right, you try to cure your complaints by creature comforts, anything else, okay? I'm going to come back when it gets easier, God. When it gets easier again, you come back. The devil wants you to switch back and forth, switch back and forth, and regret your decision to follow God. But God is asking you to pray David's prayer to God. Please light up my eyes. Oh, my God, light up my eyes. And this is what it means to ask boldly because David is asking God who is the light of the world. David is asking God to light up his eyes to the God who created light. So he's asking boldly. This is what it means to ask boldly, to trust God, to ask God according to who he is and what he has said. So to step two, ask boldly. Complain biblically. 
all right? Going through a process right now, almost like physical therapy. It's going through a process right now. Complain biblically. Hey, bring your pain, not your pride. Bring your despair, not your doubts. Not that you're not going to have doubts, but to say, I'm going to bring my despair over my doubts. And then ask boldly, okay? Ask boldly according to who he is and what he has said. And this right here, if we go through the process, if we don't skip a step, we can arrive at part three which is choose to trust. That's it. I'm just going to choose to trust. And again, if we're being honest, something's going on, I'm going to skip verse one. I'm going to skip part one and through. I'm just going to skip verse three. I'm going to skip part three. I'm just going to choose to trust. I'm not going to bring my pain. I'm not going to bring all that. Do God, I'm not going to bring my despair. I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to choose to trust. That's good. Again, that's good. But the loving Father wants you to go through a process of praise. So do not skip a step. Choose to trust. Verse 5, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. For all of us lamenters, we worship while we wait. We don't wait for the circumstance to change. Rather, we choose to trust amidst of it, right? Look at verse 6. It says, I will sing to the Lord. Look at verse 5. It says, my heart will rejoice in your steadfast love. And again, he's going through this process. And as he's asking boldly, he's increasing confidence to say, God, I will do this to the point where he can say, I will, I will sing because he, God, has dealt bountifully with me. Another word is generous. God has generously given his own son for us all. When David's singing, rejoice in your salvation, we can sing about the salvation that is in Jesus. No, God has generously poured out his blood to cleanse you and I from our sins. Generously. God has generously, bountifully given up his life to nail your sins and my sins on the cross once and for all. And by faith, not by works, on his life, death, and resurrection, God generously gives us access to himself so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. And if we are children, guys. If we are children of God, we are now heirs with Christ partakers of his glory. If we get to partake of his glory, knowing, knowing that when we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. God has dealt bountifully for you and I. Verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Here's what David's really trying to say. This is what he's trying to say. He's trying to say to God and to the world that my affliction cannot defeat my affection. 
That's what he's saying. My affliction cannot defeat my affection. My affliction cannot defeat my affection for you, God. That's what he's trying to say. This is the prophecy. This is the, this is the crescendo where David wants to arrive to say to God, God, my afflictions cannot defeat my affection. What a wonderful thing to preach to yourself, right? If this is true for you, this is true for you in Christ. Your affliction cannot defeat your affection. It cannot. Yes, you can feel overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yes, you can feel overwhelmed. Yes, you can feel beat down, but guess what? Never defeated. That's what David's saying to Psalm. I am not defeated. Think about Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, I'm afflicted in every way, but not crushed. I'm struck down, but not defeated. We can be pressed, but not crushed. We can be beat down, but guess what? Never defeated. In Christ Jesus, oh, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So you can say, my affliction cannot defeat my affection. Cannot, and it never will. So you pray to God now saying, God, I don't know where I'm going. I'm anxious over the future. But now you can say, but God, I will trust in your faithfulness. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know how long I must endure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just going to end. But you can say, now my heart will rejoice in your salvation. I don't know when you'll answer my prayers or if you ever will, but I will, God, I will sing of your salvation. I will worship Why I wait. Why? Because my affliction, God, cannot defeat my affection. You're going to remember something. Please just remember that. Afflictions cannot defeat my affection. This City Light Church is the cure for our complaints. We go through this process. We complain biblically. We ask boldly. We choose to trust so we can arrive to say, I will sing to God because he has dealt bountifully with me. My affliction cannot defeat my affection. May we be a people who laments well. We need it, and this broken world desperately needs it. I was in a block party. We were doing a block party in D.C. I was playing sports with this 11-year-old kid, and I just asked him, hey, man, what do you want to do when you grow up? He was like, he looked me in the eye, and he was like, I want to be everything. I want to be everything. What does that mean? Uh, well, no, I want, to, I want to be everything so I can inspire everyone. Oh, why do you want to inspire everyone? And get this, he's an 11-year-old kid, right? And he told me, I want to inspire everyone because it's a broken world. It's a broken world. I'm like, amen to that. I'm like, he's 11. He knows that. At 11, I was trying to talk to girls, but he's 11. You know, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing if we can show a people living in a broken world to lament well. In a world that is processing their pain in unhealthy ways, God has given you and I a privilege to experience a process of praise and give people a process of praise so that one day they can also say, I will sing of God's salvation, and my affliction will never defeat my affection. So let's lament well. And let's renew our confidence with God today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.
in this moment, God, I ask right now, Lord, that you would meet us in the secret. Would you meet us, Lord, in our most vulnerable? Would you meet us in our most broken? Would you meet us, Lord, in our pain, in our despair? And Lord, in that, sin, in that place, Lord, would you satisfy us? Would you satisfy us by your word? Would you satisfy us by your presence so we can sing and are confident right now, Lord, that you, God, have been bountiful towards us. You do not withhold any good thing for your people. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We acknowledge you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are our loving Father. And all God's people say, amen. Right, let's sing to the Lord with renewed confidence in him.